Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Over the coming months, we as a church are going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed together, an ancient summary of the Christian faith that has traveled through thousands of years and functioned as an anchor of truth in a constantly shifting world. The Creed presents truth claims that can be explored, that provoke questions, that come directly from scripture and that are owned by a community. Thanks for joining us. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Ephesians 1, 3 to 11. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us, who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all the wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. everyone. Very good to be with you. Just to make note, there are some people who are going to leave the room at this point in time. There are youth, which is very cool. Um, Just to draw attention to all the teenagers, as they always love that, don't they, eh? Um, I was told to just invite them to leave. Um, uh, I won't take it personally. If you want to leave as well, you can do. Um, But uh, hopefully some of us will stay in the room as we get to um, continue to gather together and to explore and to contemplate the wonder of this ancient creed, the Apostles' Creed, that's this statement of the kind of foundations of our faith rooted in the God revealed through the Bible. Uh, And uh, yeah, thank you, Josie, who's just left for reading it over to us. Thank you for reading scripture over us. Uh, We'll get to look at that in a moment. Um, I don't know how you're finding looking at the creed. We've been looking at it now for some time, having a pause over Easter, but from basically February onwards. For me, I know it's just doing me good. 
It's just doing me good to keep reminding myself of the wonder of who God is, the wonder of what it is that we've been caught up into relationship with him, the story that we're now part of together, revealing who he is. And yeah, I hope it's doing something like that in your heart. Um, And I hope that as we get to look in and zoom in at the next statement, that it's going to do something again in us, is we're going to look today at the forgiveness of sins. And this is good news, profoundly good news for me, for you, for us, and for everyone that we come into contact with that we're being drawn into freedom. That we can be a people that know what it is to live in freedom and invite others to live in freedom. And it's a freedom that's not of our own making, but is founded in the wonder of who Jesus is. I don't know if you saw that in that poem, that scripture that Josie read over us from Ephesians 1, that... Uh, is penned by Paul, and it's kind of this poem song of just the wonder of God's activity through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and the reality of the life that he then affords us. And in it, what Paul does is just makes loads of different uh, wonders of just what God has done for us. And the bit I want us to zoom in on is verse 7, where it reveals the wonder of what it is to know forgiveness of sins. As in verse 7, Paul writes this, God, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. See, when we read or hear that statement, forgiveness of sins, it reminds us that we have experienced God's unfailing love and kindness if we've known something of the forgiveness of sins. Because the reality is we know that this is God's work revealed through Jesus. See, when we say say that statement, forgiveness of sins, it's reminding us, oh yeah, we're a people that have known God's unfailing loving kindness that we now get to share with others, but also we're a people who understand the reality of sin and the fact that we were powerless to do anything about it. Sin's that word that the Bible uses to describe us as humans seeking to go our way rather than God's. Of seeking to say, yeah, I'm going to live at the center of my life and not anything or anyone else. And therefore that causes us to then live outside of God's design and best for us. And the whole of the story of the Bible is depicting something of what that looks like. And you find that actually there's consequences of seeking to live that way. We find the Bible paints this picture of the consequences of how it breaks our relationship with God, with each other, with creation within ourselves, and causes us to live with this consequence of death. And those consequences of living in the reality of sin, of living with us at the center rather than God, is then something that we can't do something about. It's like something that we realize that however good we seek to be, we can't undo what we've done. 
And however good we seek to be, we still somehow manage to trip up. And we find ourselves doing things that hurt others or begin to destroy something of who we are. And what that does is it leaves us in this place of just feeling overwhelmed, powerless, and I'd say ashamed. Like we live with this sense of shame of what we've done, what's been done. I don't know if you've heard something of what's come through in terms of worship this morning, of just that invitation to know freedom. I feel like God wants us to know something more of the freedom he has for us that is there as we announce forgiveness of sins. That actually causes us to know something of the freedom he's longing for you and for me to walk free from shame. You see, when we announce forgiveness of sins, it's not only reminding us of God's un like unfailing kindness of love, not only reminding us of that we're a people that understand the 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 reality of sin and our powerlessness to do something about it. It's also that we're a people that have discovered the wonder of who Jesus is and what he has done. And that where we were powerless, Jesus is powerful. That Jesus truly is enough. That his death on a cross deals with our self-centeredness, deals with our consequences in order that we could know life. The Psalm 103 verse 12 paints the picture of how God is able to deal with our sin when it says, as far as the east is from the west, God removes our transgressions, our sins from us. In other words, as far as you could ever imagine, it's gone, done with, not to be characterized by you again. That's what God does through Jesus, that Jesus' death is enough to provide forgiveness of sins for you and for me. In order that when we say that, it's this reality of knowing then that we get to be those that celebrate in the wonder of Jesus' provision. That it is good news to you and to me that actually Jesus is able to deal with my past in order that rather than knowing shame, I can be freed to know I'm accepted and loved. That rather than living with the consequences of broken relationship with God and with others and within myself with creation and that consequence of death, that actually Jesus says, no, because of my death on a cross, which is enough for everyone for all time, I'm able to provide you wholeness, Wholeness, freedom from sin in order that you could know restoration and relationship with God, with others, within yourself, with creation, and that rather than death, we get to know life and life eternal. Which then means that we get to be this people that live with this deep sense of gratitude. Gratitude in the wonder of who Jesus is and what he's done. That when we say forgiveness of sins, it's reminding us, oh, this is what I was, this is what I am, and I'm deeply grateful because it's all about you, Jesus. Martin Luther 
said this in terms of seeking to live in this reality. He says, learn to know Christ and him crucified. Learn to sing to him and say, Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness. I am your sin. You have taken upon yourself what is mine and given me what is yours. You have become what you were, not so that I may, so you have become what you were, not so that I might become what I was not. When we say forgiveness of sins, we're reminding ourselves, Jesus, everything has changed for me because of you. Everything of who you are is now true of me. And everything of who I was has now been put and dealt with through you. Like we need to be there for a people that live in wonder and awe and in the magnitude and beauty of what it means to live with that reality of the forgiveness of sins. Because what it does is it then shapes, it shapes like how we live. It's about you and it's about me, it's about us, and it's about how we forgive. And that's what I want to look at for the rest of this time. Because the danger is we kind of hear that and say, yeah, forgiveness of sins, I kind of knew about that. Yeah, but do we live in the good of it? Do we live in the beauty and the wonder that we get to live under the power and the freedom of forgiveness of sins? So let's start off with then, it's about you and it's about me. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 11, 12, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Jesus in kind of helping us understand what it's gonna look like to follow him, says, hey, I'm gonna give you a way, a rhythm that you can live with to pray that I enable you to understand how you can live more and more in the light of the life that I'm affording you. And part of that is to live praying daily for forgiveness out of seeking to forgive others. Now in it, we're gonna get to look at how we forgive others in a moment. And let's not get kind of too caught up in that of saying, right, so do we not know forgiveness if we've not forgiven others? Remember, no, forgiveness is based in Jesus. What Jesus is saying here is there's no way you, you can't forgive others when you've known forgiveness. But Jesus is also a realist. You see, why he says there needs to be this daily practice of asking for forgiveness is because he knows what our hearts are like. That we need to be those who are continuously drawn back to the wonder of forgiveness of sins. The wonder that Jesus' death is enough for what has been, what is being, and what will be. And therefore, Jesus calls us this way of living that says, now keep a short account. Daily seek to ask for forgiveness. Why? Well, because we can so easily allow God to slip from the center of who we are and and find ourselves back in the hot seat, seeking to take control. Like, I know I can. 
I know I can find myself taking actions or if I'm honest, sometimes my motivations or sometimes the thoughts I have fall short of who God is and how God is longing to live my life through me. And that if I'm not careful in me living that way, I can quickly find myself trying to hide it. Trying to say, oh, oh no, no, I'm not that bad. Now, when I compare to them, like, I'm doing okay. And that if I keep hiding it, what I find is, I, I then start to divide my heart up and say, yeah, Jesus, you're the ruler of that part, but there's this other bit of my heart I just want to keep to myself. I don't want you to, to let you in there, because if I let you in there, I'm going to feel exposed. And the problem is, as I allow myself to start to get divided, it then leads me to be distancing. Distancing myself from God. Because actually, the more I'm around him, the more I realize I'm trying to hide. I've got a divided heart. I don't want to get exposed. And so then I'm being distancing myself. Distancing myself in terms of how I'm living privately. Distancing myself in how I'm going to live publicly because actually just to be around a bunch of people who are saying they're like looking to live for Jesus, actually that starts to expose me. The thing is, I don't think I'm alone on this. I think I find in talking to others that they find that too. And the thing that I found the saddest is where I see people who are distancing themselves and it starts with, I'm just a bit busy at the moment. But when you look behind it, there's something going on that started off with just this hiding. And the distancing drifts and drifts and drifts. And Jesus knows that we can do that. Jesus knows that I can do that. Therefore, he says, keep short account. Daily ask for forgiveness. Every evening before I go to sleep, I have this set prayer that I go through. And um, part of that prayer is that I just take a moment to be silent and to consider the day that I've just lived. And then it's uncomfortable. Because what I have to do is just think through the moments where I need to ask for forgiveness. And why I do that is because I know what my heart's like. And I also know how loving and good Jesus is. And how his longing is that I would live more and more shaped by his forgiveness. And his longing and invitation is to you too. And so what I do and what I'd encourage us to do is I try to use these three R's that help me in terms of how I'm seeking to live daily in that invitation to know forgiveness. I was in that pause, in that silence, I'm kind of seeking to recognize. Recognize specific moments as well as sometimes just saying to God, I reckon there's probably some I'm not aware of where I've sought to live outside of your best God for me. Where I started to try and take control again. Or sometimes it's actually just recognizing, yeah, when I did that, that was ugly. Like how I treated that person wasn't okay. That wasn't like you, Jesus. So I recognize it, I then confess it. And in confessing it, I'm saying, I ask you for forgiveness. Knowing what? 
that the second hour I get to receive it. My forgiveness is based on Jesus' death on a cross. Here's the good news. That's done. Therefore, I just get to receive. As I having confessed, if I've recognized it, as I've asked for forgiveness, I then receive and say, and I literally speak it over myself, sometimes in my mind, sometimes out loud, which is obviously slightly frustrating to Lucy, who sat next to me in the bed. Um, and I'm just like, God, I, I receive your forgiveness. Father, thank you that your heart is always one of unfailing kindness towards me. And then I make a decision for renew. That as I've received forgiveness, I know now that this is both finished and also you're inviting me now to be reshaped and renewed into more of the likeness of Jesus. Are there some decisions I need to make out of this? Often for me, it's that, yeah, maybe I just need to rest a bit more. Because usually if I'm tired, that's the point where I'm short with people or make stupid decisions. Sometimes it's that actually there's this individual, usually it's someone in my family, (laughs) that I need to just go to tomorrow and say I'm sorry and put the relationship right. See, Jesus' activity always has a practical application. We know forgiveness and sins, therefore we live in it individually and how we seek to live our lives. But it's also about us. Ephesians 1, 7 says, forgive our sins. Like, there's a reality that, yes, it's about me and it's about you, but also forgiveness of sins is about us. I love how Paul paints the picture. He doesn't say individually we have had our sins forgiven. He says together our sins are forgiven. So then it transforms who we are together. Like we're a bunch of people when we gather together who have known Jesus has forgiven us. That's who we are. Therefore, when we gather together, we become witnesses of that to each other. We become witnesses of what it means to live in the wonder and beauty of forgiveness of sins, of encouraging one another. Hey, are you living in the good of the fact that Jesus' heart towards you is to know forgiveness? Are you living in that? It's also one where we're seeking to encourage one another by saying, hey, this is how I'm seeking to live in this. Why? Because we're all in the same boat. You know, the thing that sometimes surprises me is when I'll be talking to someone, I'm relatively honest about how I live my life, um, try to be as transparent as possible. As if someone says, how's it going? So like yesterday, I was like bumped into someone at Audi, uh, favorite supermarket. So I'm there at Audi and they say, how are you doing? And I said, yeah, doing all right. Do you know what? Yesterday, um, I kind of just was a bit tired and I got angry with one of my kids. And I realized that how I was responding wasn't okay. And so I had to put that right. At that point, they're kind of like, what, what, like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I am okay. I know forgiveness. But why I'm saying this is because we're in the same boat. Because sometimes when I say that, people go, what, really, really, you still need forgiveness? 
oh man, yeah, I need forgiveness. Daily. <laughs> I, I knew at some point Lucy would pipe up. My barometer is there. There's something beautiful about gathering with a bunch of people who just know, yep, yeah, I, I need forgiveness. And I want to live in that forgiveness. Because it stops there being any sense of hierarchy. Any sense of like, oh yeah, they've got it sorted and I haven't. No, no, we're all in this. All need Jesus and Jesus is enough. But it's not just about witnessing, it's also about welcoming. You see, it means that we can be those that then throw the doors open and say, everyone come in and discover the forgiveness that we found. We don't put walls up saying, no, no, until you've got your life in order, you can kind of come in. We'll, we'll kind of steward that. And at one point, you're able to come in. Your life is clean enough in order that you can know forgiveness. No, it's like everyone come in. I remember meeting a guy who was just coming through the doors a few years ago. And he was coming and was about to get tea and coffee. And we started chatting. And he said, oh, man, you know, I reckon once I go through those doors, I'm going to combust in flames. I said, what do you mean? He said, but if you knew my story, you'd know why I'd combust in flames. I said, well, what you're going to find is a bunch of people in there who've got a story too. But what they found is that their story wasn't big enough or too powerful enough for Jesus not to deal with. Because Jesus is able to rewrite everyone's story. So he came through the doors and he didn't combust. <laughs> a few months after that, I remember him coming to me and just saying, I get it. My story is his story. It's our story. It's about witnessing, it's about welcoming. I'd say finally it's about worship. See, when you come into a room with a bunch of people who realize, yeah, forgiveness of sins, we suddenly realize, yeah, this was nothing to do with me. It was everything to do with Jesus. And regardless of what else is going on in my life, I just come and say, Jesus, I am far better than I ever should be. And therefore I come and I celebrate with these others, brothers and sisters who've come to discover just the wonder of the gift that you are to us. And I can't help but declare that, yeah, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Why? Because of God's unfailing love and kindness revealed through his grace, through his son, Jesus. It affects our worship. So finally, let's just do a quick one in terms of the end. It's about how we forgive. Jesus continued in Matthew 6, 12, we have forgiven those who sin against us. That as we live in forgiveness, we're to be those that then show forgiveness. Jesus was quizzed at this moment. You can find it in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, where uh, one of his friends like, says, like, how many times should we forgive other people though? You know, that, that's a question, isn't it? That's like, there's a question behind that one, which is, I don't know if I really want to forgive them. I've, I've kind of done that enough. Should I keep? And Jesus kind of gives this quick answer. He goes, well, 70 times seven. In other words, unlimited. Just keep forgiving. And then he gives a longer answer through a story where he tells a story about someone who owes someone more money than they have ability to pay for. Could never pay it off. 
And they go and cry for mercy, and the person they owe money to says, that's it, cancelled, don't worry about it. And having had this debt cancelled, that individual then goes to someone else who owes them money and says, now you pay me back. Now they've got the ability to pay them back, but it's just going to take time. And they say, well, no, 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 you're not going to get any mercy from me. Lock them up. Now, when the original person who was owed money hears about this, they go to the individual who'd been shown so much mercy and yet didn't show any mercy and says, "Like, like, what are you doing? And the story ends with that individual ending up in prison. And Jesus tells this story and says, like, if you understand the vastness of your forgiveness, how will you not then go on to forgive others? Because if you don't forgive others, the person it's going to harm is you. And you will be imprisoned in your unforgiveness. Therefore, we need to be those who seek to forgive others. And I say there's two ways. It's both forgiving others and forgiving ourselves. In terms of forgiving others, the reality is this. Others will intentionally and unintentionally hurt us. And when they do, we need to seek to forgive. And I'd say that's easy to say, hard to practice. Therefore, here's some ways in which I think it can help to seek to do in order that we can seek to forgive others. Firstly, recognize, not rationalize. Recognize when someone has hurt you. Don't then seek to justify it for them to rationalize it, saying, well, I'm sure they're just having an off day, or maybe it's because of this going on in life. No, you recognize, oh, no, that hurt me. Then you seek to express how it's made you feel. I would say most of the time that's to God, of saying, when this happened, it made me feel X. Sometimes it can be helpful to speak it through with someone else. It can just help us understand a bit more about what's going on. Now, that isn't an excuse to then go to everyone saying, you wouldn't believe what so-and-so did to me. It's not that. Remember, the goal here is forgiveness. And therefore, it's to allow us to say, oh yeah, this is how it's hurt me. And then once we've got to that point of recognizing, not rationalizing, expressing how we feel, we then make a decision to forgive. And that can be speaking it out specifically to God, where we say, God, I forgive this person for this thing and how it made me feel. And then I say, finally, it's choosing a path of reconciliation. And then saying, as I've forgiven, I now seek to pray for that person's blessing. I seek to build trust up with them. Maybe sometimes it's like, actually, for me to build that trust, I need to go and speak to them and say, hey, when you did this, I just want you to know that it hurt me. And for us to build on, I just want you to understand that. Can I make just a couple of additional notes? You see, sometimes the thing that's been done to us is just vast. And that kind of four steps I've given us just feels like, yeah, that's a bit pithy, Adrian, just to kind of deal with. If you knew what I'm dealing with, well, I'd say a couple of things. One is this. Forgiveness allows for consequences. Like when we forgive someone, it doesn't mean that we have to return to a relationship that is toxic or harmful. The forgiveness sometimes means, yep, I, I forgive you, but I'm not going to return to this. I'd also say that 
forgiveness is a process and therefore sometimes it's understanding there's room for can't, not won't. This isn't mine, this is something else someone else said and when I heard this, I thought this is so good. See, sometimes because of what's being done to us, we just know we're not quite at a place to forgive. And at that point, it's really important that we don't say, I won't forgive, because that's, that's like final. Is actually we say, no, I can't. And then it's asking God into that and saying, where I can't, would you come and help me because I want to? And that's a journey that we then are invited into to be able to show forgiveness. So forgiveness of others, forgiveness of ourselves. This is the one that affects me most. You see, if I hurt others, I implode. Absolutely implode. Because everything in me thinks this isn't who I'm meant to be. This isn't what it means to model Jesus. And in that moment, what I've learned is that actually I need to do two things. First one is this, C.S. Lewis says this, I think that if God forgives us, we must also forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it's almost like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. I just find that helpful. So at that moment, and I implode big time, I'll be like, oh, no, I'm the worst human being in the world. Oh, that's it, I'm just going to hide away. And in that moment, I have to get myself to that point of saying, no, but God, I know you forgive me. And am I saying that I'm this higher authority than you? God, I seek to forgive as you forgive. And you forgive totally. So that's what I seek to do. And then I find this prayer that um, Linda Schubert kind of wrote. I use this. Loving Father, I choose to forgive everyone in my life, including myself, because you have forgiven me. Thank you, Lord, for this grace. I forgive myself for all my sins, faults and failings, especially this thing. Fill in the blank. I forgive myself for not being perfect. I accept myself and make a decision to stop picking on myself and being my own worst enemy. I release the things held against myself, free myself from bondage and make peace with myself today by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a good prayer. And I kind of use that to just help me to get to that point of saying, yep, forgiveness and sins, yep forgiveness of myself. Forgiveness of sins. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And that transforms you, me, us, and how we seek to forgive. I just want to give us a moment just to come before God and um, I just recognize for each of us, different things will have uh, impacted us. I just felt like there was particularly a few things that I felt God wanted to highlight. The first one is, I just felt this whole element of, for some of us, we've arrived and we, we're living, even though we know Jesus has forgiven us our sins we're still living in shame. Shame and regret of what's been. And I just felt Jesus wanted you to not leave the, 
the building today without knowing. Now, this is done. This is dealt with. I'm enough. I remove shame and I replace it with acceptance and love. The second thing I felt God wanted to just do is that for some of us, when I talked about how we've living our lives, that element of when we live outside of God's best, that we find ourselves hiding, dividing, and then distancing. I just felt it, just for some of us, we just know that's how we've been living. And I don't say this to condemn us. And sure, I kind of said, I'm not, I, daily I'm coming, saying I need forgiveness. It's not condemnation, it's invitation. It's an invitation to say, yep, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And the Father is so faithful that when we turn back and say, I need you, I need your forgiveness, he rushes to give you forgiveness. I know it can feel exposing, but God never exposes. He always draws us in to embrace. And then the third group of people, I just felt like there's this moment where we just know I, I can't forgive. Jesus, would you help me to get to a point of forgiveness? And I, I just felt God wanted to just meet some of us in that place. So yeah, there you go. Removal of shame. Confession of sin. And finally, that element of Jesus, come and meet me in my need to seek to work towards forgiveness. Just take a moment, just close your eyes. Spirit's here, longing to work with you. Spirit's with you in your home, if you're watching online, wanting to work with you. Just take a moment and say, what is it? Maybe it's not one of those three, maybe it's something else. Here's the beauty, Jesus knows and Jesus is enough. Jesus, I thank you for the beauty, the wonder and the magnitude of three words, forgiveness of sins. And I just ask, would you cause us to live more in the good of that? I pray for those of us who just know our hearts need to turn back to you. I pray would we now just know as we've said, I, I need forgiveness that you're rushing to meet with us. I pray for those of us who just know that sense of shame, that God, you're wanting to rush and say, no, that, that's, not, that's not you. Love and acceptance. Pray for those of us who just on that journey of saying, yep, I, I just can't forgive. And yet you're going to work with us now to get to that point of forgiveness. We're not alone. You're part of the journey. I ask, would you continue to meet and work with us, Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen.